On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. This is Angelique Luna. I'm here with my co-host and druggy out husband. Uh, 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 don't make this sound immoral. I had surgery on Monday, and I'm thinking I'm doing quite well and being quite, quite technically apt. We're still we're we're still recording. So. I think you should I'm doing follow well. our Insta stories and follow what adventures we've done. <laughs> but we're super excited. We have Marla Renee Stewart in the house. She is an MA, is a lecturer at Clayton State University and co-founder of Sex Down South Conference and the Sexual Liberation Collective. She is a sexologist, a professional sex, intimacy, and relationship coach, and sexuality educator. Gaining her reputation for being the sex architect, she created Velvet Lips, a sexuality education company to empower people of all ages to embrace, educate, and enjoy their sexuality and their sexual lives. She has studied human sexuality for more than 16 years at San Francisco State University and the George... Georgia State University and respectedly and has expert knowledge in a wide variety of subjects. She has published academic articles and continues to do sexuality research. She has conducted workshops and conferences, not-for-profit and private organizations, featured on many radio shows, documentaries, books, magazines, and has been invited to speak at universities around the world. She also sits on the board for Spark Reproductive Justice Now and the Atlanta Harm Reduction Coalition. Welcome to the show, Marla. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on with you all. It's exciting. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We're totally excited. It's like ever since we've met you at Sex Down South in 2016, we were just in awe. That was an amazing conference. And to be honest, I think that was our first People of Color conference. Because John, wow. yeah, because John was one of three white men that stood out. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great though. I'm really glad that you all came and had a, had fun. And um, you know, at Sex Down South, we really just love to embrace all the diversity we have, and um, so it's good. I'm, I'm glad you all enjoyed yourselves. Yeah, we're looking forward to this year. So we're we're already halfway there, you know, buying our uh, hotel rooms. Now we just got to get tickets and maybe do the puppy eyes. It's like, can we broadcast too? Please, please. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course, yes. (laughs) So 2016 was actually your second year. And as I read through uh, the bio on the website, I love how you put it. You started the first year with without a budget. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you and. You All and you, just witches and dreams. <laughs> and it actually came together and, and turned into it. That's fantastic. How, how was the first year? We missed that. 
Oh, the first year was really great. Um, yeah, like I said, we were just fueled on wishes, dreams, hopes, and, you know, love. Um, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit of fear in there, too. But um, we uh, were at the Sheraton next to the airport, so they, they gave us a good deal. It turns out they gave us a good deal because they were closing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got a good deal on hotel rooms, the conference area and everything. And um, uh, it was really phenomenal. Everyone had a good time. We were hoping because of the kind of conference it is, we were like, oh, you know, people aren't going to know who we are. You know, we're just trying to establish ourselves here. And, you know, I've been in this community, you know, for, you know, 18, 20 years. So it's like this is you know, people know me, but I have never, you know, done a conference or anything like that. So uh, when we, you know, when I reached out to all the different, you know, sex celebrities that we had, um, you know, we were like, hey, we don't have money, you know, we'll try to get you this amount and we're going to fly you out and, you know, we're going to try to do this for you. Um, but, you know, we don't have any money. Will you be willing to accept, you know, this amount? And, you know, we were thinking, let's ask six people and like two people will say yes. Right. It's like thinking about the, um, I, I call it like Facebook odds, you know, when like a lot of people are a VP, but really like only a third of them really show up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, uh, reached out to everybody. Everybody said yes. And oh, <laughs> wow. I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that had to be adorable to so, see you two panic because you girls are always professional, always on your game, but so adorable. <laughs> Yeah, so we were like, oh, my gosh, everybody said yes. So uh, we were like, okay. So uh, everybody said yes, which was amazing, and everybody worked with us, and um, everybody had a really great time. You know, she and I never like to do things, you know, mediocre. So everybody, we got lots of compliments on how it was organized, how well it was run, Um and they were they were wondering if we had ever done it before, and of course we were like, no. <laughs> but um, we knew what we had to do in order to make it, you know, a good place to be at and a fun place to be at. So, and we, you know, intertwined both of our personalities with that. So lots of learning, um, lots of you know, fun learning stuff, live demos, and then um, and then at night, you know, we like to you know have a good time and dance and. You know, maybe have a cocktail or two and, you know, just, you know, let our hair down. So um, we uh, designed it just like that and did it and ended up breaking even our first year uh, and second year, actually. But That's our fantastic. first year definitely was, you know, hopes, dreams and wishes and, you know, prayers. <laughs> Anything you could possibly think of we were hoping for in order for us to make it happen. So. Um, thankfully, we were able to do that again for 2016. Well, let's hope for profit in 2018. So, oh yes, yes, definitely, we are working on it. <laughs> so, how how was Sex Down South birth? Like, where did the idea come from? Was it a need? What's the backstory? So, it's so funny. Um, it, it, it's like yes, there was a need, but I think he and I just really enjoyed working with each other. Um, we had, uh, she had invited me to do an event that she was doing for Corset Magazine, and she invited me to come and 
speak and do sort of a mini workshop thing and speak for about an hour. Um, and so I did that and everybody had fun and she was like, oh my gosh, we got to work together again. So we did a few more events, one including my birthday party, um, where we had a carnival and it was literally a 12 hour long party. There were probably 200 people at my house. Um, we had, yeah, it it was insane. So we had like a band outside of my backyard and we had fire dancers and pie eating contests and this tube of love thing and barbecue and fried trinkies and Oreos and a mobile spank booth. And it was like a real live, you know, fun, fun event. You know, I ended up having probably about 20 people just passed out in my house when I woke up in the morning. But um, it was really, really fun. And uh, from there, we just really wanted to do something else together. We really enjoyed working with each other. Um, We truly love one another and look out for one another. And so... Um, and we're very much business-minded the same way, so we trust each other um, with our decisions a lot, um, even when one of us can't be in place. And so that has really been uh, great and amazing. And so, yeah, so we were sitting down. We're like, we want to do an event. What can we do? And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do a conference. And she's like, yeah, you know, we could do sort of a multi-day event. And, like, we could, you know, have, we just, like, you know, started spouting off ideas. Like, what would we call it? And she was like, sex down south. And I was like, yes. And then, boom, from there, that was it. Like, we just took it and ran. And we just like, okay, this is, you know, I did a um, talk to one of my mentors around a survey. Like, how do I get people to, um, like, what do the people want? So I did a survey before we even started to see what people wanted in a sex conference and whatever people said on that list, it was probably about 300 people who filled it out. Um, that's what we did. So it was basically catering to the people's needs. Um, it's pretty much how sex down South was born um, along with our ideas, but mostly um, other folks ideas of who they wanted to see and, and what they wanted to see. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, because when we were at um, 2016, we felt like we were in church with Orpheus Black was talking. You know, he just had that preacher conversation that you just mesmerized and you're just like, amen. And we're like, wow. And then Sonia can, you know, we've been following them forever and they're always so entertaining. So, yeah, you, oh, you just yes. had some amazing presenters. So we're just dying to find out who's all going to be in 2018. This is going to be awesome. Ah, yes. So we have three of our presenters already. We're waiting on a confirmation of the fourth. Um, so I guess for your listeners, I'm going to re- I'll reveal the three, but don't tell anyone quite yet. <laughs> we, we have insider knowledge. Yes. I feel privileged. I, I feel very privileged, you know, considering this is being recorded right now. So, yay! <laughs> so we have um, Erica Hart, um, who will be here. So um, I don't know if you know her, but she was there in 2016, breast cancer survivor. She's been doing amazing work. I'm actually going to be uh, guest lecturing in one of her classes. Oh, gosh, I think that's next week. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yes. So we, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we saw her so, up at Woodhall um, last year. Um, she was doing a panel workshop with uh, Dirty Lola. So, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, super sweet. Oh. Yeah, she's very so, passionate. Yes. 
Yes, she's very amazing. Great speaker, great presenter. I saw her um, her workshop um, in um, saw Erica's workshop in 2016. I actually stayed and sat in for the whole entire thing, um, which is one of the workshops that I was able to like take a breath. And he and I are like, I'm like, see you stay in the office. I want to go to this workshop. So, you know, that was nice. Um, so, yeah. And then our second presenter uh, is Dr. Jess O'Reilly from Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. So I'm super excited. I met Dr. Jess, I think, two years ago at uh, University of Guelph. Uh, we were both presenting at the sexuality conference there. Um, met her, fell in love, thought she was amazing. We've been in touch um, pretty much ever since. And um, I'm actually, I think, going to be on her podcast soon. Um, but um, she's absolutely fabulous. She um, had a lecture on pleasure, and it was super, super phenomenal. So I'm super excited about um, her being there as well. Oh, yes. She and is such a personality, great love, great passion. We met her a couple of years ago down in Miami. Awesome person. So excited to get to see her again. Yay! Yes, yes. So whenever I have the opportunity to try to see her, I was in Toronto and I was like, where are you? She was, of course, traveling like she always does. Mm-hmm. But um, Nope, I felt the exact was- same way because I went up there. I'm like, oh, we're going to see Jess and we're going to see Morpheus because those are Two presenters that are out of Toronto. I got there. I texted him. Went, uh-huh. you, you guys both left town. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, and we're out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, really? Where is your home base? Is there a home base for you? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, then we have um, uh, Ignacio Rivera. So um, I'm super, super excited about Ignacio. Ignacio has been to both of our conferences. Um, and so this year we really just want to highlight them and, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, we're excited. Super excited again to, to, to do that. So Ignacio is going to be our third and then we are waiting confirmation on our fourth. So we'll see. To be announced later. That is awesome. Which is kind of interesting that you just (laughs) mentioned, uh, Ignacio Rivera, Poly Role Models just, uh, released a new blog post with him. So I'm like, yay. Oh, Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Ignacio's doing great things. I've seen Ignacio speak so many times and was able to, uh, had the privilege of being in a uh, Mapping Your Desire workshop at the uh, Creating Change Conference in D.C. earlier this year. And just phenomenal, phenomenal storytelling, just phenomenal um, wisdom, you know, when it comes to uh, relationships and um, you know, trauma, role playing, all sorts of things that, you know, are not necessarily in my lane. So I'm very fascinated and just enjoy, you know, him every time I'm I'm around. So so yes. those are those yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, because I attended, I can't remember which conference it was where Ignacio Rivera was doing a uh, parenting class of survivors, how how to be a parent to children of survivors. And it was just fascinating how he was mm-hmm. explaining and doing, because our, our child is a survivor there and we've done a lot of non-traditional ways to say the least, because oftentimes parents refuse to give therapy to their child and deny them and say, Oh no, it never mm-hmm. happened. And I'm like, no, they suffered a trauma. They need to get prepared to have a healthy relationship because kids are still going to have sex when they're in high school in middle school and we have to prepare them 
Yeah, a lot of parents don't take that very well. I got kicked out of the parents group on that one. Oh, no. Oh, my God, that's crazy. You know, we really, you know, people have to be a little bit more open-minded, especially when it comes to building a resistance or resilience for your child, you know, and seeing what that looks like, you know. And I think it's so great to have, like, a parent like you to to be a sex-positive parent, to be a parent who is engaging um, because my mom was very much a sex-positive parent, and I'm like, I, I feel like I grew up in such an amazing way that, like, you need people. You need you need people like you, you know? We need people like you to to um, tell, have those stories and to, like, let people know, like, what is going on with your, with your children. And so it's kind of sad that you were kind of kicked out. You know, the shame and stigma with that stuff, people really are afraid to, to challenge it. And uh, we don't learn. We don't grow if we don't challenge things. Right. And it's just horrible for them because then they're trying to figure out an outlet, how to get over the shame and the stigma. And at the time I was talking with Ignacio of his presentation, he was doing like a play for a lot of the survivors to tell their story in a safe environment. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's just a brilliant idea to be surrounded with like-minded people who have gone through the same trauma and be there to support each other by telling their stories. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, that's great. It's awesome. Sweet. Well, yeah, we're really excited to have Ignacio. So, hey, good. Awesome. Well, let me ask. I've been asked about uh, Sex Down South. They're like, well, what kind of what kind of conference is it? And I started to go, well, it's on Poly, and because we had a lot of talk on that, and I'm like. Well, it's not fully on poly. We did have a lot of education. It's kind of sex positive. It was kind of all over the map when I started thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which was yeah. wonderful. So what do you really, so what do you tell people? Because I'm always curious to like, what, what do other people who have been to Sex Down South tell people? You know, I kind of said it's an a la carte of sex everything and you're not sure what you're going to get, but you'll enjoy it. Because we, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that is beautiful. Oh, well, that thank is you. an absolutely beautiful way to describe that. <laughs> I've been like, you know, asked this question so many times, and I'm like, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it's for everybody. Anything you could possibly think of, we probably have something for you. Um, and so, you know, just come and and look at the workshops and, you know, I'm sure you can learn something. Like, there's so many different things you can learn about. So, that's such a great way to put it. I like that. The a la carte, and there's something for everybody, for sure. Yeah. Cool. But I, I just yeah, came up with a tagline. Like, I feel proud. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual education a la carte. No. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, what's important to me is that we do have a diverse, uh, a wide range of sexual topics, um, just because we are not limited to one identity, right? So, you know, me being a black person, me being a woman, me being a queer person, you know, me being, you know, all of these things, you know, a kinky person, whatever it is, all of my different identities. You know, there's always something for me to find um, somewhere in there that I could relate to. And I think that's important for everybody who attends the conference, right? Whatever our identities are, you know, whether we're poly or swingers or or we are, you know, 
uh, kinky or queer or trans or whatever it is, like, we want to cater to you. You know, a lot of times these conferences don't really cater to, you know, marginalized groups, you know. And, you know, we are catering to folks who are doing reproductive justice, folks who are in social justice, you know, issues, people who are doing sex work, people who are doing, you know, um, work within, you know, relationships, um, intimacy, you know, and then just people who want to learn some new stuff, right? Like, I think the one of the most important things for Tia and I was to do something that was, uh, like, you can interact or you can have live demos, right? So if you wanted to learn what a great blowjob looked like, this is what it looked like, right? And we would have someone do a live demo for that. And, you know, um, our very first year, I think we had a live demo on, like, hand, uh, Amy Jo Goddard did a hand sex workshop, which was really amazing. Um, we did, you know, live demos, did a live demo with, uh, like, trans bodies, like, trans sex. Like, you know, if you wow. have never been with a trans person, like, these are some ways that you can have sex with a trans person, right? This is really, like, educational, but fun stuff, but also, like, practical stuff. Um, I tell my students all the time, like, you know, I teach feminist theory. So it's, like, one of these things where, like, you know, we can sit here and talk and think and think and think and think, but if we don't practice, what's the point, right? And so that is really important for me for people to learn how to practice, which is why, you know, have, you know, my own business in doing what I do. So practice is very, very important, and I think we really wanted to incorporate that in a conference. And I don't think any other conference in the world, I don't think, actually does that. Like, even the most kinky, swinginess conferences are just lectures. They're not actually having live demos. So that's what makes us really unique. Great. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. This is John C. Luna. And this is Angelique Luna. And if you like the content we've been putting on Living a Sex Positive Life, then we need your help. For as little as a dollar a month, you can give to our Patreon account, which will help us... Seriously? It works for PETA. Why not us? We're, we're starving sex educators here. Let, let's just tell them what they get. For as little as a dollar a month, we'll give you all past content and bonus content. But if you're able to give just a little bit more, we can give them what? Video content? We could give them a one-on-one 30-minute Skype. They could have a private access to a group chat. Or even better, we could answer one question per month live on the podcast. So if you like what we're doing and you want us to keep doing it, Please go to our Patreon page for Living a Sex Positive Life and give generously. Oh, dear God. And we're back there. So now tell us a little bit more about Velvet Lips with the Sexuality Educator now that you've explained everything about the wonderful Sex Down South Conference. <laughs> um, so Velvet Lips um, was created uh, similar to like I was saying, like I wanted the practical piece. Um, so what I teach mostly um, is around seduction, communication, and sex skills. Um, and so we, you know, I tackle all things from, you know, uh, depending on the type of trauma it is, um, to communication, to how to seduce, um, and touching techniques. So a lot of my things have to do with how do you touch someone. So a lot of somatic 
um, work, you know, body work, um, thinking about um, sex very much in a practical way and giving you sort of the science also behind that. I'm a really, you know, science nerdy kind of person. I'm all about like the science of sex sometimes. So I incorporate that with, you know, touching techniques, why we do the things that we do in order to, how to seduce people and how to touch people. So, um, how people are seduced and how they learn. So that is sort of the angle where I come from and how I do my workshops. Well, I find most of the, uh, the people in the lifestyle, whether it be swinging or, um, or, or poly or kink, somehow we all center around this geek center. So we love the science behind it. It feels like justification about why we're doing what we do. So it's great that you're doing the, well, it's true. I had someone actually come up to me and they asked me what I did for a living. And I said, well, I'm a teacher. And they're like, oh my God, someone in the lifestyle who's not a programmer or an engineer or, a, and I stopped her. I said, I teach software development and her head just went down. Like, oh, <laughs> not you. <laughs> but we love to hear that science backup uh, of why we do the things we do. And it sounds like uh, a lot of what you're, you're doing with uh, velvet lips is sending around also getting past trauma. Do you work a lot with people who have had previous trauma? Yeah, I do. I work with people who have had past trauma, um, but if they are like deep rooted issues or deep seated issues, I usually refer them to a therapist um, who like usually a friend of mine or other therapists who are actually because I'm more of a sex coach. Um, so I only work with a limited amount of um, if it's like if it's a, a really traumatic thing that where they need some like rewiring. I only do, I can do some re-anchoring exercises, but if they really need some brain rewiring or some like hypnotherapy or something like that, I'll usually refer them out. I usually, basically what I do is sort of stay in my lane, right? And think about, this is how you've thought about this trauma. This is how it can affect you. This is how you can move forward. Now I can help you move forward, but if you need some total rewiring, then I, I would have to refer you out. Of course. Okay, so for the most part, um, uh, so, for the most part, I help them with their sex skills, you know, as it relates to, okay, if there's something traumatic or you feel yourself doing this or that, these are some techniques that you can use to move past that point. But, um, uh, but as far as like, anal you know, analyzing, you know, what exactly, you know, is going on, it just really depends on the kind of trauma they've had. Um but how, even how else, true, true. But even outside of the trauma realm, there there is no ever relationship education. That is not part of what we're taught in this country. So to finally find uh, uh, somewhere we like, we try to teach education of how to have a good relationship, how to have sex, and um, it's interesting because one of the introspective things, and Angelique is going to laugh at this one. I figured about myself is I'm really great at talking with women. Until mm. I realize I'm interested in them, and then I get tongue tied. <laughs> or if they're flirting, no, this is my favorite part, Marla. They're flirting with them. I'm looking and I'm checking, and I'm like, and he's like, oh, da, da, and it's like over his head. I'm like, she was just flirting with you, really? I didn't know if she was interested or not. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it is bad when your wife has to tell you that someone was flirting with you, and we're in the lifestyle. That's even funnier. We need some well, type of hand signals or something. Good, some hand signals. 
But then that would make you nervous. So maybe it is good that, you know, you sort of relax or you could, I mean, or then you can turn up sort of your A game thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking of, of course, about seduction. I'm like, oh, if they're interested, these are the things that you can do to like, you know, move forward. But, um, I think that's so funny. I think what, when we find someone we are interested in or there's some sort of chemistry or anything like that, you know, it is, we do have a harder time. We do have a harder time approaching. We do have a harder time, you know, um, thinking about like, are they thinking this way about me? Um, you know, we have all of these insecurities that sort of bubble up for us. Um, and what I do is just really help people to build up their sexual confidence so that they're like you in, in general. Like when you're talking to someone, you can just talk to them and, you know, and you can maybe if they're, if you're interested in them, say something. And if they're, they're not interested in you, be resilient enough and be okay enough. And, you know, that you can accept that rejection and move on and be like, well, you're lost and here I go again, you know, like perfectly okay because I'm going to be me and be authentic. I think once we start, sometimes when we figure out or we get too nervous, we stop being authentic and we start putting on um, what my friend calls, you know, the representative. (laughs) (laughs) Start giving people your representative instead of your authentic self and that, you know, that can be the problematic part. You see, the moment you said it, representative in that fashion, have you ever watched Key and Peele? Oh, I do every once in a while. Do they have something on there? What, what came About to my that? oh, not exactly, but there's the uh, Luther, the the president's anger interpreter. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just thought of him coming out trying to be all a oh, little more Isaac Hayes in there, a little bit more smooth, but, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's the truth. Totally. The the totally. moment you realize. Someone's hitting on you. Yes, that representative comes out and it's, it's, it's not the normal you. And it is, I don't know, maybe it is a, it's one or the other. Either you go ahead and say, I'm going to keep going under the assumption that I'm not interested in because then I can be more suave than ever. Or you start, yeah, it's, it's a very weird line. Or you start actually taking it in and, and Luther comes out, which is not a good thing. Either. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no, that would be it. See, I, I think that was the one thing I loved about Playground was the stickers that says, "Are you flirting with me?" <laughs> that was one of. Uh, I did not see those. Yeah, at registration, she had various different stickers for your badge. She could had either, "Are you flirting with me?" Um, ask me anything. Available. Then, yeah, available. Various different kinds. So kind of like icebreakers for people who yeah, look I at your back. Yeah, I didn't see anything. I did not say that. I did not see it. I'm shy or whatever. I saw those. I did not see that. Are you flirting with me? I should have wore that one. Because that one, that would have helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John was wearing that one. I was wearing Ask Me Anything, so... <laughs> Yeah, you took you picked up the sticker that said "Are you flirting with me?" and you like put three of them on me. <laughs> oh man, I must have been drinking. Oh, uh, they they might have ran out. That's like well, we, we were we were in Canada. They do make their drinks a little stronger up there. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Hmm. Oh, so it really sounds like, yeah. um. That velvet lips kind of spun into, hey, let's put putting together sex down south. 
Yeah, I mean, it was basically sort of like, let's, I wanted to do like workshops and do the things that I do, but like expand this to like folks who are, you know, around the country who are doing amazing work and amazing workshops around stuff that I don't know anything about. And um, so it's very much, it's very similar for sure. Definitely. Very cool. Practical stuff. So I, while we're talking about sex education and being liberal, what is your thoughts on Walmart taking Cosmopolitan down from their checkout aisles? I am not in pop culture, so I have no idea what's happening. So, what okay. is, so what's <laughs> happening with Walmart? They're taking down Cosmo because of what? What reason? Uh, to help the National Coalition of Sexual Exploited People to not be in everyone's face about talking about sex. So how often we... Think, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, we, we think of Cosmo as the only place for people as adults to get sex education and topics and be empowered. They're removing it from the checkout aisles because it's too sexually explicit for children. And it will help take down, uh, what do you call it, trafficking. Yeah, the actual... Yeah. The actual, uh, let's see, article here is that Walmart is going to place Cosmopolitan magazine towards the back of the magazine rack, but they will no longer have it in the front with the checkout because it is deemed too sexy. And yeah, that just, it seems the opposite of what it is. It's Cosmo. Are we reverting back to some sort of Stone Age-like thing? Like, what? That does not make any kind of sense to me whatsoever, if anything, you know, and I think that's, you know, part of our goal, like as a sexual liberation collective, part of our goal is sex down south. Part of my goal, you know, being velvet lips is just to help people release that shame and stigma. You know, I get so, it's so crazy because I get so many compliments around, you know, when I'm taking pictures and I'm taking these selfies and I'm taking, you know, whatever, whatever it is. People are like, oh, my gosh, like, you are so amazing. How do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. You know, <laughs> like, I just can't, I can't care what other people have to think. But also, like, you can also do this. This is not a thing where I am so exceptional in what I do. Like, I am a regular person doing regular people things, kind of, sort of. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, like, these are things that you can do. Like, you know, I don't know. That really, really disturbing um, to to feel. I, I think it's just the nature probably of the presidency, you know. I think that the, the waves, how we go in sort of waves and shifts, I think this is sort of another wave. And then, you know, the... The Generation Z is going to come back blazing with, you know, the opposite of like Cosmo. You have to re- require to purchase Cosmo on your way out or something, you know, like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So I just, I, yeah, I just feel like it's just sort of in a way, we're just in a wave that sort of wants to repress our sexuality, repress, you know, these things and. Uh, we, as people, as individuals, we know that is not good, you know, and I think as long as we know that as individuals, we can live our lives accordingly 
um, regardless of what, you know, these, you know, societal institutions, whatever it is, these corporations want to put, you know, however they want to repress um, our sexuality, we can, we can overcome that. And I think as long as we know that, we'll be fine. And, you know, I got to say, I am so impressed with Generation Z and the marches that went on this past weekend, uh, all against the, mm-hmm. uh, the gun violence. And you're you're right in the sense that we have a generation um, that doesn't, to put it lightly, seem to care about the public opinion. They're not conforming to what our their parents did and my parents did. And they're, they're at young ages, starting to call their own shots, which is absolutely amazing. Mhm. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like we can, uh, the adults now that are doing this thing, they didn't. I bet you they didn't even get any advice from Generation Z. I bet you they didn't get any advice from Millennials or Generation X. Possibly. I bet you these are people who you know have been older generations that have been like, okay, we're trying to do this, or some you know some folks who are in power, whatever power places that they're in, like they just aren't. Um, in tune to what what progress looks like, or what or what the future holds, right? When it comes to sort of political, uh, to, I guess when it comes to actually sexual liberation movement in general. Um, but I'm glad, like us, you know, we are doing the work. We are making this change. We are being parents to these generations who are going to make this wonderful change because of the way that we are viewing the world. And the way that we have um, used our identities to be uh, accepting and diverse and resilient despite all the other, you know, negative and stigma and shameful um, or repression, you know, those things that have that are trying to sort of bring us down. So, um, yeah, I look forward to Generation Z in their next move. You know, I um talked to one of my uh, students today because he's I have a, a guy who's in my feminist series class and I never get men in my feminist series class <laughs> yet. Um, Kudos for him. I'm so, impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I rarely, super rare. So he was making this a really great analogy around basketball and, um, and I, you know, I used to play college basketball. So I was like, oh, we're going to do basketball analogies with feminism. This is awesome. So, you know, he was talking about how MJ, uh, was sort of second wave feminism and that, uh, LeBron is sort of third wave feminism. And I was like, no, 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 you have it wrong, right? It's like MJ is like first wave feminism. Kobe Bryant is like second wave feminism. And LeBron is like third wave feminism. So like thinking about and thinking about sort of consumerism, thinking about um, thing, uh, political identities, uh, capitalism, all these things sort of fit in with who these people are as basketball players. And I was like, I am so glad I can relate to this. This is amazing. You know? How did I, how was I able to do this, I guess, without being me, you know? Um, so I'm just really, I don't know, feel very fortunate that I'm in the positions that I'm in, but that I'm in to educate, but also inform people who are in younger generations that can help make this world a better, more practical place, you know? 
And yeah, that's exactly what, what I'm, we're hoping they're going to do. They need a little guidance, but I think they're already on a, uh, on a good course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now you did talk about your justice work with, um, Spark Reproductive Justice. Now tell us a little bit more about the organization and what your responsibilities are as a board member. Um, so as a board member of Spark Reproductive Justice now, um, I am a board treasurer. So um, I just help oversee finances, look for, you know, uh, call up donors. I volunteer my time sort of calling up donors, trying to get um, unrestricted funds for the um, for the um, organization. Um, I also help, you know, I volunteer occasionally with like different events or, um, you know, support them in any way that I can. And Spark Reproductive Justice now just really thinks about uh, black women's reproductive justice rights as well as LGBTQ youth and mentoring and leadership around reproductive justice, um, what reproductive justice looks like to LGBTQ youth, um, how they're getting access to resources. Um, we also do some advocacy, um, so trying to get people to vote and vote for legislators we don't, we, well, we can't influence legislators. Just, just try to get people to vote. But we inform people around which, you know, legislators um, are doing what when it comes to what kinds of reproductive justice things that we need. So, for instance, um, there was a big conference last year that we go to actually every year. And in Alabama, there is a, um, a law where if you are married, um, and you get raped and as a woman and you, um, end up getting pregnant, um, you are not allowed to have an abortion. What? What? (laughs) Yeah. So you have to understand, like, this is crazy, right? Like, even though we have, um, the even though we have the right to abortion, there are different states that chip away abortion rights, right? And so even in these situations where it's not your husband's baby, you've been raped by a stranger, you still can't have an abortion, you should you should know about that law. You should know that when you go in, you can't not have that abortion because you're married. So if you're you know? single, you could have the abortion if you're raped? Correct. Oh, that's just messed up on several different ways. And that makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. Because you don't know exactly. how the feeling the husband might have. Is he going to rent the, resent the child because he was a creation of a traumatic experience? Or is the mother going to resent the child? I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, sorry, uh, Law & Order SVU corrupted yeah. my mind a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you don't know, like, and just thinking about the, the child themselves, I've had, you know, friends who are products of rape and, you know, they have a really, some of them have had a really hard time, you know, with their mental health and, and all that stuff. And I mean, not to say that all those people should be aborted or anything like that, but just thinking about how do we, how do we understand the complexities behind um, rape, behind marriage, behind government and policies, regulating bodies. You know, so, you know, these are the types of things that spark um, in collaboration with other reproductive justice organizations, you know, Sister Song, Sister Love, 
that we all think about. And I think that's really important to know that we are working on these issues to try to get legislators to say, hey, this, you need to get this out of the books. This is not right. Um, and that's, that's one of our duties. So, um, so that's what sort of, that's what I do with Spark Group Justice Justice Now. I've talked to, you know, senators, legislators, um, in DC, I've, um, you know, written, I've, you know, prepared things for them. So that, that's the other side of the work that I do. And that's great work to be doing because it is needed because some of these laws are just antiquated and needs to get off the books. And it's very shocking and amazing that there is more laws and regulations on the female reproductive system than gun laws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I try to tell my students, too, or just try to tell folks in general, like, that's, that's also part of, like, my, what I, what I call my feminist integrity, right? Like, not only am I preaching this stuff, and I'm trying to teach you this stuff, but I'm also doing this stuff, right? Like, I'm not just sitting here dilly-dallying, you know, saying whatever. I'm also going out and doing the work, and that is important. It's, it's, as much as we like to think, think, think about it, we also have to practice, 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 which is you know, why I do the work that I do. And and we appreciate it, and we're very grateful for it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll be right back. Polly Dallas Millennial is a symposium about consensual and ethical non-monogamy. We're going to be broadcasting there from July 13th to the 15th down in the Dallas area. I will also be doing presentations in Spanish for how to speak to your kids about sex and cookies and consent, all in Espanol. So if you're in the Dallas area or you can come and travel, come visit us and say hi. See you there. Okay, and we're back. And I do want to ask, I know you said you teach a uh, a class on, how did you, it was feminism theory? Mm-hmm, feminist theory. Mm-hmm. Feminist theory. And... I know a lot of people, when they first hear feminist, that word, it brings up the, the classic Hollywood stereotypical versions of that. And it is not that mm-hmm. in everything I've seen. What is feminism to you? Oh, feminism to me is a, I mean, the very much the definition, right? Um, I do like definitions, but, um, you know, the social, political, and economic equality of women. So it doesn't mean that somebody else is being disempowered. It's just really thinking about, and not necessarily women, but marginalized people. So I think as feminists, we also not only have to think about women, we have to think about all of our other identities, um, sexuality, disabilities, um, you know, transgender, queer, gender nonconforming folks. We have to think about all folks who are marginalized or not, you know, are not being equal um, in the social, political, and economic realm what that looks like, and how we can make moves to get us uh, in line to make us more successful, productive people in society um, that who, who also feel good about all of our identities without being, um, you know, uh, uh, well, we're, you know, oppressed, you know, oppressed in a way that, that oh, feels uh, daunting. Yeah. And how do um, your students feel when they first come into the class and then how does it change them afterwards? 
Because now you got me interested oh, in the class. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. I just, like, I it, it, it like, makes my heart gleam. So it's really funny because one of the first days of class, you know, I'm like, all right, how, so, you know, this is Intro to Women's and Gender Studies, or this is Feminist Series, how many of you identify with being a feminist, right? And, like, maybe four people raise their hand, right? And then I'm like, okay, how many of you believe in the social, political, and economic equality of women? And then, like, everybody raises their hand, right? And I'm like, okay, so you all are feminists. So what is it about that word triggers something in you? What have you been taught? What have you been, you know, what has the media told you or what have you been, uh, what has somebody said to you that you thought feminism was a bad word, you know? And so what I do is help them unlearn that process, that feminism isn't a bad word, that um, there's all sorts of different types of feminists that we all don't agree on how to get to where, and that's perfectly okay. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, but for the most part, people, of course, end up, uh, not, you know, changing their mind and being like, oh, yeah, I am a feminist. Like, of course, I believe in equality, you know, in these different realms. And how could I not, you know? So, um, yeah, it's really great. I, um, I have this one guy in my intro to women's and gender studies class, and he's like, he took his wife's uh, last name on. And I was like, wow, like, I, he's probably the second guy that I know that's actually have, have done that. And I'm like, so look at that. That's maybe that's part of feminism. And maybe we're thinking about things matrilineally, but you know, instead of patrilineally lineally. And, you know, what does that mean for our future? Is there something to be said around, you know, does it always have to be this way? What are younger generations doing that are making this change possible? You know, so, um, but yeah, they always end up having that shift for sure. Oh, that's awesome there. Yeah. Cause he, when you hear the word, yeah, you think of like the old, you know, media taking off the bras, going into protests, being angry and militant. Militant. That's yeah. the word that go, <laughs> yes. goes with it for someone who doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, what it is, is like, I'm like, bubbling and happy and smiling and being like, I'm a feminist, join me. <laughs> like, it's, this is a good time. Like, we're about to make things happen. And I don't, I, I think because I'm such a, maybe an extrovert or social butterfly or whatever it is, like, I invite people in. Like, you know, I'm just kind of like, hey, these are the things that, like, are, like, important. And whatever's important to you, like, I want to work with you to make sure that we can collaborate and make sure that, Everybody feels good in this situation. So um, how do we get that to happen? And that is part of my feminism, right? So whoever you are, I just want to be able to make a connection with you and have that connection be a very valid and loving connection where you see feminism, black feminism, womanism as valuable. That's a nice approach to that. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I want to throw in there and – by the way, I love Atlanta. I love coming up to your city, but we're a little <laughs> further south of you. And as you know, we're in the bit of the Bible Belt. Do you ever find oh, yeah. any additional, well, of course we do, but I'll have you vocalize this, any additional challenges because of where we're located? Ooh, I would say additional challenges lie in people's 
repression. I get so many emails where they are like, I am in this relationship, but I feel stuck and, you know, and I've been doing the Bible thing. I don't, you know what? So, you know, I had this one beautiful couple come in and they were absolutely amazing. They had been together, I believe, 23 years. They were uh, a white heterosexual couple, two kids, like regular, like nuclear, traditional family. They drove two hours to come and see me for an erotic massage class. And they were adorable in the sense that they were like, we were like Bible-thumping people. And then we realized like something clicked. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know what, what exactly clicked for them, but they were like something clicked where they weren't being fulfilled. And they were repressing and then like the shame and the stigma was coming up and they weren't enjoying themselves. And so they had to, um, this repression, the Bible Belt repression, sometimes people get so wrapped up in their religion. Um, and I'm not to say like all religion is bad. I think if it's good and healthy for you and you don't feel repressed, I feel like if you feel liberated by the religion, I feel like you should go ahead and do what you feel is good for you. Definitely. However, if you're feeling repressed by it or oppressed or you can't be yourself or be authentic in who you are, that is where the problem is, you know. Um, and so they were like, we couldn't express ourselves. We couldn't be ourselves. And then finally, when we were like, this has to do with like our sexual energy. We want to be more sexual. We want it, it was so it was so great to me because they literally had never even given each other a massage before, oh, and wow. they came to me for an erotic massage. <laughs> you know? Jump like, straight to advance. Like these twenty three years, not even one, and like I was like I'm impressed, right? Um, and they've you know since then they've kind of strayed away from the church because they were like you know there was something that wasn't really, they were repressed. They felt repressed. You know, they, they didn't feel like they could be themselves, express themselves in the way that they want. And so they've fortunately sort of evolved together or grow, you know, they grew together. Um, and so I thought that was very, very phenomenal. Cause you know, I get a lot of couples that are just in distress, right? Because of shame, stigma, repression, you know, the Bible tells me this or, um, or I've, I've also had like sort of the other side of it too, where I've had, uh, churches hire me, like their couples ministries and be like, can you talk about like sexuality? And I'm like, of course I can. And I can relate it to the Bible. Like, you know, like, and I have these great Bible verses that maybe you can cling to that will help you, you know, and have a more vibrant sex life and to help you with your everyday life. So there have been, you know, churches who have hired me for that. Um, but you know, of course that's few and far in between because people, you know, don't want to, you know, with my company and like, oh wait, like she does a whole lot of things, but yeah, but you know, I also cater to those folks who, you know, are on the more, (laughs) more or less conservative side. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. um, That's interesting. How, how to, you know, incorporate the Bible 
and、uh, verses into that because you know we were talking about that earlier today in regards to the Sesta law and the Fosta law and how you know people are banning a lot of like the websites and you know the Skype and Microsoft you know, doing that, but in reality it's like they should ban the Bible because there's a lot of offensive stuff in there. If it's taken、mm-hmm. letter for letter, have you heard of the the Sesta Sesta? Sorry, Fosta Sesta laws. The, say it again. Fosta F O S T A and what's the other one? Sesta S E S S E S T A. No, what what is that? Okay, these are two laws.、Um, they're going through that. They passed the House and Senate already, but what they're doing is they're putting the、um, the blame or the crime, the responsibility of We'll say prostitution on the website owner. So, example being,、uh, if there's an ad on Craigslist for services offered, they want the ability now to go after Craigslist for that to shut down these sites. But、wow. it's being opposed even by several members of law enforcement because now it's just going to go either more underground and it's really going to end up hurting us in sex education. That you know, Skype just came out with this、um, statement. That they will not tolerate foul languages.、Uh, it was Microsoft who came out with it, and they referred to Skype as one of them. Well, the only way they can actually say if we have, if we're using this foul language, is if they're listening to our conversation, which、right. is not what I really signed up for to begin with. Anyway, it's going to、yeah. do overall. The, the opinion、uh, is it's going to do a lot more harm than good, but they're they're peddling it under the title of it's going to stop sex trafficking. But it's doing it with such a wide brush; it's going to do a lot more damage. It, of course, it is, and I, you know, I thought about that with the Craigslist and the removal of the personal ads. I, you know,、mm-hmm. I was like, "What? Like, are you serious?"、Um, and what's really interesting too is like people. Like, I feel like we are in such a blurry zone. Like maybe you know, even if we no no, we're we're in a blurry zone. Like not being sex workers or prostitutes and being sex educators is a blurry zone for、Big、people.、Time. They don't know how to take it, and so then we end up getting censored for folks who are doing some really crazy and you know harmful stuff, such as sex trafficking, right? Um. Ugh. This is the crackdown is just it's getting more and more. I don't know what to do about it.、Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm in Facebook jail at the moment. So,、um, yeah. No, if you、um, do pal、uh, hashtag Sesta or hashtag Fosta, you could see the conversations in Twitter. Twitter.、Um, that's where I've been keeping up with a lot of the information. Because it is kind、mm-hmm. of BS how it's going. My concern is, yes, the, the the law is right now trying to blur the lines between sex workers and sex trafficking. But how much longer is that line going to blur? Now, sex educators, sex therapists, sexologists, you know, because of the、right. key words of sex, and, and we're just trying to do education, and they am thinking that you know putting these laws are going to stop it. I'm like. No, if you remember back in the day with prohibition, when they put all those laws, there was a lot of people still making a lot, lot of money 
selling alcohol and booze at the speakeasies and it did not stop okay. it, you know? Right. Yeah. We're looking at the same thing happening here with these laws. It's not going to make sex trafficking easier to say, hey, you're a sex trafficker. No, it's going to make it much harder for sex workers to be safe, to be able to communicate, to be able to screen people. And, and exactly that's, right. And I'm just, you know, I guess I'm just kind of thinking ahead or being paranoid. And, you know, I'm always a conspiracy theorist girl. Yes, you <laughs> that <laughs> sooner or later they're going to be coming after us. You know, as I, I was saying on our Facebook post, it's like, uh, yeah, we need to change from Skype because all our material is NC, you know, 17 because we do cuss and swear. And, you know, with this law, how is it going to also change, you know, podcasts or YouTubes where you do have sex workers that are not officially showing any nudity or clips or just talking about it, you know? They're, Google already came down on a lot of people and removed all their files and deleted them. Oh, wow. Yeah, Google, uh, when I tried to put one of my ads out, they definitely were like, this is not approved. And I was like, why isn't it approved? I think, I don't know if it's the language or whatever on the ad, maybe. I have no idea, but it's just the censoring. Mm-hmm. The censoring is going, you know, it, it, it's trying to like, like, I don't know why we're doing the type of censoring or why folks are, the, the, these new bills are trying to do the censoring. Um, but it just sounds like repression. And once we, it, and that's what I'm saying. Generation Z is going to be the one that's going to fl- like flip it. If the millennials don't do it, Generation Z is going to do it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think with magazines like Teen Vogue, who keeps pushing the boundaries and limits of anything of sex, sexuality health, they're definitely on board because mm-hmm. they actually printed the article. I remember the backlash when they were talking about anal sex. That was like, are you kidding me? The kids need to know the safety protocols of this. And then there was some Christian lady on YouTube burning, you know, magazines of Teen Vogue about that article. Well, I mean, she bought a whole bunch of Teen Vogue, which means she supported them. So she clearly doesn't have the right intentions. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to make a point, but her, her, her it's lost in capitalism is what, what happened there. But, um, yeah, and no one oh, ever well. said anything there. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I think that also goes to the, the stupidity of Van Couric and everyone's like buying Couric just to throw him off the edge. <laughs> What was the the Couric thing? I forgot about that. That that was last year because some television guy, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Bill... O'Reilly? O'Reilly, yes. Yeah, because he's uh, he's off his game a little bit now. Yeah, well, he's off completely. So, yeah, that's why. He said, you know, ban them because they did something supporting something. Oh, that's right. That's right. More political pull he thought he had. But I love my coffee and I'm not getting rid of my Couric. So, you know, I think when we, you know, if these laws were sort of to go put it, if they, if they are put in place and if they, you know, become, I mean, they've already started to be more restrictive around everything. Um, I think what we would do as like a sexual, you know, liberation communities, I think we would, I mean, I think we would have to go word of mouth. I think we all are connected and we all have exposure. And I think we have the avenues to 
to make things happen regardless of the political climate. So um, I, I feel like as long as we are educated, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to envision like this utopia, right? This, this sort of liberated utopia. And I'm just kind of like, what would this really look like if all the rules were bent? Like, would everybody be over at Velvet Lips, like having sex parties or doing like educational stuff? And would it be word of mouth? And how would that work? And how many people, you know, like, what would that look like? But, um, but anyway, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's nice to think out loud and dream how this utopia would work and how we, everyone would be educated. Everyone will be empowered. Sexual assault and abuse will drop down drastically because they know how to respect each other, how to communicate, how to ask for consent. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it it was one of those like mind blowing moments when we did our workshop that, wow, you really don't know how to ask for consent. You know, it's just interesting that the dynamics and the communication and i guess because we've been doing this for so long we kind of forget there's still people on training wheels so i have a question for you all around consent because i i had an interview done by uh called yes magazine and they asked me some questions around consent and consent culture and things like that and i know you just said you did a workshop around consent um sort of have you asked when I when I say your regular friends, like regular friends who are like not in the sex education community, <laughs> um, like when you ask your regular friends what they think about when someone asks for consent at every single moment of sexual interaction, what kind of responses do you get from them? The uh, deer in the headlights is the most common. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because it goes into the media that you see a scene out of a soap opera, they're passionately looking at each other, goes black and screen, and then next thing you know, they're smoking a cigarette or they're just cuddling. So you don't see any communication, don't see any asking, you just see the hot passion moment. And so that's what we've been drilled to. And for some of them, it's like a light bulb goes on. You mean, you mean I could ask this? I could do, you know, and this is very common with a lot of the vanillas. I think lifestyle people are a little bit more apt to knowing what consent is and how to ask for it just because that's how we're trained. But most, um, heterosexual cisgender folks that are non-lifestyle or very religious don't even understand because like you were saying like oftentimes religion will repress it and we don't talk about it you know i was born and raised roman catholic mexican i was taught never to have sex until i got married and i'm like okay but what is it about because then you're expected on your wedding night to know what to do okay yes exactly i actually had a i have a client or i had a client just like that um who uh, grew up uh, Muslim and grew up very conservative Muslim and um, had a hard time just like, wait, I'm have to go because, you know, in, in, um, in the Quran, it's basically like, hurry up and get married so you can have sex because sex is amazing, right? So she basically went from, you know, I'm supposed to be modest you know, and now I'm supposed to be like super sexual. Like, how does that even work? You know, that's 
that's a difficult transition. You just can't pop into, you know, being a wife and then a, a slut in two seconds, you know, so. Or know what to do or, or know what to expect because let's be right. honest, the first time there's insertions, it's going to hurt. There's no if, when's right. about it, you know. It, it, if you go slow, then it's pleasurable. If you go hard and fast like they teach you in the movies or in a porn it's it's going to be hurting you know as i always tell exactly. a lot of people it's like you cannot watch fast and the furious and then expect to know how to drive a car after you watch the movies <laughs> it's the same exactly. with porn you can't expect exactly. you can't expect to watch porn and do the same thing yes it's a beautiful analogy it's perfect yes i love it mm-hmm so, so many things we have to do, and that's baby steps, one change at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so uh, our time has been... Yes? No, I was just like, it's just really up to us to be our authentic selves and know what our desires are and know how we want to interpret our desires, know how we want to use our bodies, know how we want to free our bodies, or know how we want to communicate with our bodies, and then you know, move forward and teach other people and storytell and let other people know about what are we doing with our bodies that feel good to us and and let that be our guide to, you know, growing um, exponentially in, you know, our sexual arena, sexuality, you know. Um, I think that's just super, super important. But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you so very much. Our time is up, but how can our listeners find you? And register for Sex Down South. <laughs> yes. Because so he doesn't want to be definitely. he doesn't yeah. want to be the only white boy again. So oh, I'm good with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I you love have to recruit other white boys. That's your job. Yeah, that exactly. Recruit other white boys. Like, you know, like this is how we that's how Tia and I made the conference. We were like, we have to you know, get other black girls involved. We have to do this thing. So you got to bring the white boys in. Like, uh, hey, look at what we have going on. This is, you know, you need to be here. So you got to you gotta do your recruitment. Yeah, so that um, way. I, I next, need to represent. I yeah, see. Yeah, you do. So the next time we go to yeah. another conference, they're like, hey, I recognize you from Sex Down South. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize. I was like, I was with them the whole time. The only reason you didn't recognize me because I blended blend. in with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes yes so it's really it's really like you like we 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 uh so the thing about sex down south too is like we didn't have we had a, we had a lot of white women but we did not have like a lot of white men we had a lot of white trans folks too but or some you know white trans folks but you know we encourage white people to come because you know they'll learn some things and um and it's not just encouraging like white folks to come. Like it's really about everybody and all sorts of different people coming. I think the the strength that Tia and I have is just around being able to get all of those different types of people involved and us all, all talking to each other. Like, hey, yes, you're a white man, but guess what? You know what? All white men love me. Not, not to say you're old. But, but like, <laughs> white men love me, you know, and I, I, I connect with them very easily. So, like, you know, you gotta do your, you gotta do your recruiting. But anyway, um, so, uh, for our, we have our temporary website up right now. It's sexdownsouthacl.com. Um, and you can register for your tickets there before April 15th. Um, 
they are $99. After April 15th, they will go up to $179. Um, and then if you don't register within a couple months after that, it will be up to our regular price of just $229. Um, our other website is up and ready. Uh, we will have sex, our regular sexdownsouth.com and we're revamping our site basically to have live streaming available. Mm-hmm. So if people are not available to come to Atlanta, um, we can, uh, we are going to be live streaming sort of the main, like, keynotes and, um, other, you know, prominent workshops that are, um, that will be popular. Um, so that's what we'll be doing on the website. So we have a live streaming capability on, uh, on our website, which is sexdownsouth.com. So sign up for that. If you're, uh, on there, just make sure you join our email list. Um, my website for my business is velvetlipsllc.com. And I am working in Atlanta and in South Florida, so Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Atlanta. Um, but I also travel a lot. So uh, I'll be in Florida this weekend, and I'll be um, in Arizona next weekend for the Southwest Love Fest. So I'm always available for um, uh, when I go and travel, if people want to do individual workshops with me. Um, I travel a lot to D.C. Hopefully I'll get to Toronto more. but. Um, for the most part, I'll be in Atlanta and Florida. I'm trying to expand my business out into Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And uh, you can contact me by Marla at VelvetLipsLLC.com. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything, or um, you need anything, just feel free to email me, Marla at VelvetLipsLLC.com. Find me on social media at VelvetLipsATL at Sex on South ATL, except for on Instagram, we are at SBS Con. And my personal page is at one, the number one, Marla Stewart, S-T-W-R-T. That's so I think that's mouthful. it. I think that's everything. Great. And you can find me everywhere on livingasexpositivelife.com uh, and all our social media. And you can find me as John C. Luna. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, FetLife. Uh, go ahead and say hi. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. night. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show tonight. You can find us on our webpage, livingasexpositivelife.com, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on Living a Sex Positive Life, where you follow all our stories and adventures. You can find me on all social media as Miss Angelique Luna. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter as John C. Luna. Please reach out and let us know how we're doing. Please like, share all our contents, leave your opinions, comments, complaints. We accept it all. But we also like to thank our sponsor, The Woodshed. You can find them on their webpage, thewoodshedorlando.com. And they're also on FetLife and Facebook, where you could see a lot of their events and promotions going on. So thank you very much for uh, joining tonight. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.